the candy man can. The candy man can, cause he mixes it with love to make the world taste good. I'm Dave Gray, and this week I learned that um, it doesn't it doesn't matter how far the IMDb boards are in our past. Some of those scars still run very, very deep. I'm Tyler Hosley, and every time I go to a porn shop, I ask the counter clerk for a copy of Nutbag. God, why? I've I've seen that. Don't. I actually haven't. I actually haven't. So, okay, you, you know how? Oh, no, I'll tell you later. Okay. I'm Kevin Matthews, Scottish film fan living in England, and um, yeah, I can take a small amount of satisfaction knowing that I have also seen Nutbag. So we outnumber Tyler two to one, but he ultimately has more satisfaction yeah, he, because he, he made us one. rewatch. More and he hasn't seen Nutbag, so yay, good yeah. for you. And this is Raiders of the Podcast. Yay, yay. bastards. <laughs> I'm really struggling with my kind of uh, overall Halloween horror content for the month because, you know, you, as as you guys know, it's it's tough when you watch a lot of the main titles and then you're mixing it up with stuff that's a bit riskier, shall we say. But uh, I think, similar to yourself, Dave, maybe a bit more so, I, I really enjoyed Haunted Mansion. Uh, I finally watched that. And, yeah, like, it, it was it was way better than I thought it was going to be. And I thought the mix of heart and humour and spookiness for the intended main viewer demographic was pretty great. Yeah. A, a Jared Leto film with a very minimal amount of Jared Leto can only be a good thing. And literally anybody, like it didn't even have to be him. Like I, that, I didn't that is remember. true. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like they digitized his voice. He sounded nothing like himself. He was yeah. all CG for 88% of his time on screen. Just like, well, why they could have found like a billion other people, but whatever who, you know, didn't have a history of fucking minors like Jared Leto does, but whatever, you know, that was, that was my concern going in was Leto had a role. Uh, Tiffany Haddish. I'm not a big fan of she had a role. I thought she was quite fun in this. Um, I, I didn't mind her, uh, but it helped that it spread, you know, enough throughout the group. Uh, the leads were, were great. I mean, Lakeith Stanfield was really good. I love the the kid. Is it Chase Dillon? I think his name is. Yeah, they were they were both really good. I only yeah had, yeah. Besides Leto, I had one big issue with the last scene, but that was just okay. me. All right, I saw. I think it was Christiane said you know um, she regretted or resented the fact that it didn't you know they had the setting and didn't make more use of it the the area. 
uh, was is it New Orleans? Yeah. Um, for me, I I can see where she's coming from, but for me, I I felt it was always going to be about you know really just being in the mansion and keeping the focus on there. So I didn't think, oh, I I want this film to also you know add some some texture from the local area and everything around about. But then again, I'm not as familiar with the Disney uh, ride, so maybe it has worked more it through the mansion itself. in the mansion ah. itself at all. Wow, well, that's, that's fine. So that, that didn't bother me, uh, even though it could have uh, provided some extra rich pickings from the area. I, uh, I'm i trying to think of where my cutoff point was uh, last week. So forgive me if I, I cross over. I, I don't think I mentioned any of these. I watched Wendell and Wild, the animated uh, sort of spooky comedy that's been on Yay. Netflix for a while now. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was hoping it would be better. I think it's the certainly from what I've seen, it's the weakest Henry Selick film. Uh but it it was uh it was good. I was just hoping it would be a bit better. Do you like it, Dave? Yeah, I mean we well we watched it last year and we all everyone in my house enjoyed it on the whole. Mm. I mean, yeah, it's not it's not as good as like Paranorman. Or uh, Coraline, if you want to talk about Henry Selick. Yeah, and I mean, it's good. I mean, there is there is a a good you know dose of creativity and imagination through it, but it sort of felt a bit lacking there as well. Which sounds strange to say when there is that much in every scene, but you're kind of used to getting even more from him. And the detailing and the just the, the little sort of sub worlds within the worlds that you see on screen. So there was that. Uh, but I mean, it wasn't bad, unlike The Nun 2, which is bad. Why? <sighs> no, uh, was, no, seriously. Step back, examine your life. Why did you watch The Nun 2? It was one to mark off a list. And uh, the the timings worked out, and I almost immediately regretted things. It was, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's really bad. It's worse than the first film. Uh, the ending is preposterous. It's just really bad. Um, better though was Totally Killer, which I know you enjoyed. I know you aren't a big fan of the lead. I didn't mind her so much, but yes, she would be interchangeable with quite a few others. Um, yeah, it's it's fun. I think some people have maybe oversold it slightly, and uh, and the trailer was was a good one for it. But absolute blast and available straight away on Prime Video, so it was good. Uh, Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. Did either of you two watch this yet? I have not. I was I was looking at it. I was thinking, you know, you know, as long as I got parent, but no, nope, <laughs> no. Nope. It's always, you know, uh, we discuss this a lot when we're discussing film. I know Tyler likes to just view a film as the film, uh, a separate entity from our things. So, in that regard, there's quite a bit of Pet Cemetery Bloodlines that I thought was was pretty good. 
I would say, sort of the first half or two thirds. Um, and considering how <laughs> how other Stephen King properties have gone on and on and been run into the ground, you know, this was better than those. But there are two big problems, and one is how it really changes your view of the character who's in a pet cemetery, and you're like, well, you know, fool him once, shame on you, fool him twice, shame on him for repeatedly visiting a pet cemetery. So there's that. And then, like, about five or ten minutes from the finale were just too dark. Someone forgot to put lights on. I had... It's um, Paramount Plus. They probably forgot to pay the bill. Right, okay. Uh, Because, you know, once again, as is sometimes the way, and I know other people get in that habit, like, the subtitles came on, so I left them on. And uh, I was quite happy I did so because there were moments where I'm just like, right, I knew somebody was uh, in peril again because the subtitle came up. Like, you know, cry of pain or whatever it was. I'm like, okay, something's gone in the murkiness of the screen that I can't see. So that let it down. And then last uh, but not least, I just caught uh, the latest one to drop on Shudder today was the Puppet Man, and that was that was all right. It's it's quite silly on the one hand, you know, it's somebody who is uh, able to control our people, and they're almost in a not quite a hypnotic state because they know that they're about to do something against their will and they don't necessarily want to. But when it, uh, when it can just cut loose and set up one or two good death scenes, it really does well with them. There are a couple of nasty bits in this that make it uh, worth a watch. And it, it's pretty straightforward horror fare so it's the kind of thing that has already garnered quite a few positive reviews on Shudder because people have clicked on it there are no subtitles and they didn't have to think too much about any subtext Uh, and it's not a horror that they view as not a horror so that's always the stuff on Shudder that gets the highest ratings but it's um, it's, yeah it's good, it's the (sighs) The guy who directed that, I think they've been sort of developing quite nicely. I think they did Stillborn, that Z that I, I quite liked as well, and Superhost. Um, so I've enjoyed all of their films to varying degrees, and they, they seem to be, you know, whether or not you think the Puppet Man is as good as other stuff, seem to be at least aiming for quite a decent consistency. And that's me. I uh, I went to the theater and I saw The Exorcist Believer. Um, I mean, I really liked it. Is it as good as William Friedkin's original? Nope. But that movie is a fucking masterpiece. This is still a solid, well-made possession film. And I thought the cast was good, too. I don't know. I was thoroughly entertained. Probably my favorite sequel next to Paul Schrader's version of Dominion, which I really fucking love a lot. But I don't think Believer is anywhere near as bad as people are saying it is. It's a fine possession film. 
Um, and if you go in just kind of like Kevin said, I always do. I separate it from everything else and just enjoy it as what it is. It's a fine exorcist movie. And I, I think if people went in with that expectation, they'd be okay. Um, and the following day, I went to the special 20th anniversary screening of my favorite movie of all time, Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses. That was fucking amazing. You guys already know my thoughts on it. I don't need to spare the details there. I love that movie with every fiber of my being. It was an awesome screening. They looked trivia before the movie started. They had a little making of featurette afterwards. It was awesome. And uh, I watched, I, well, I rewatched, because I've seen this movie many times, but I rewatched Hostile Part 2, which I am a big fan of. And uh, that's me. Ooh, I, uh, I went deep with my Netflix roulette. Uh, I I must secretly hate myself, so I'm just going to go through. Uh, the best one was Val from 2021. It is a horror comedy, which uh, it starts off a little slow, but it has a really good lead performance, and it ends pretty okay. It's not as good as it could be. It, like It would have been an awesome short, but it's a fine feature. I also What's watched- the actual um, plot idea? So no, you um, you think Craig and I might like it? Sorry, a guy takes a high class prostitute hostage in her house, but things are not as they appear. Oh, I have seen it, Dave. Yeah, yeah, I, I figured you had. It's, I forgot. It sounded like I something you would watch. Called, uh, I forgot it was called Val. Yeah. Yes, I. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're you're right. I mean, well, I did, I did uh, quite enjoy it. Yeah, I mean it's it's solid. It's it's nothing to like write home about, but it's it's a fine little uh, horror comedy. Because everything else I watched kind of sucked. Thirteen fanboys. <laughs> it's uh, an F thirteen. It's not even. It's not F thirteen, but it's all, all, as many people from Friday the Thirteenth series as they could get in the film, and it's written and directed by Tyler's favorite victim, Deborah Sue Voorhees. Nice. Uh, and in it, she is. Oh, that's I forgot to mute my phone. I'm sorry. And in it, she is murdered like he, ten years before the events, and then uh, you know follows her granddaughter being maybe sort of stalked by someone who's murdering all these Friday the Thirteenth actors, and it just like it just sucks. <laughs> like if if you really want to see the Friday the Thirteenth cast members again in different roles, okay. That's like the only reason to watch it. The kills aren't good. The script isn't good. Uh, I will say, I, I mean, I'm going to be totally fair that the legend, the only, the best, most popular Jason has the best death on screen. And uh, I mean, he sells it, sells the fuck out of it. Unlike what I'll say about him later today. So <laughs> I, I just wanted to get that out there. I, I enjoy Kane Hodder. He is the best part of that. Uh, play dead. A uh, girl breaks into the coroner's office to steal evidence, but the coroner is up to no good. Jerry O'Connell's the villain. He's a lot of fun. The lead is just like it didn't do it for me, but I can see other people enjoying it more. I just I didn't care for the lead. I didn't care for her brother. Or anybody else. And for me, like, I got to give a rat's ass, but like, I don't care who lives or dies. I I shouldn't be rooting for the villain because you're that bland. 
And she was that bland. But, you know, maybe O'Connell can take over Saw in 20 more installments. I'd be down for that. After watching this. Um, what else? Oh, I watched the Stephen King adaptation Boogeyman. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. I warned you, Dave. <laughs> you did. Didn't even get didn't even get half a Kevin Seven. <laughs> it, it was oh god, it was so bad and so dull. And and just like I hated the screenwriter's other film, A Quiet Place, but I didn't think they could possibly be dumber than that. And they were. And it just made me appreciate the Babadook more. And I know some people hate that movie, but they're wrong. Uh, I watched Benny Loves You, and I mostly enjoyed Benny Loves You. If you guys have seen this, it's about a guy's teddy bear who comes to life on a homicidal murder spree. It's got moments. I don't think it totally lands, but it's a fun concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched the Japanese remake of Cube. It's fine. If you like Cube, you'll like it. If you don't like Cube, you won't like it. But you're better off watching the Canadian original. I watched The Invisible Ghost. It's a poverty roll cheapy with Bella Lugosi. It's fine. Uh, but actually, this this was my best. My best the, the the week that I really want to talk about was Lord Shango. It's a black exploitation about um, old ways clashing with newer religion, and it is fantastic. Uh, a follower of the Yorba religion is uh, baptized to death by some Christians. And it's about what happens after that. It's a slow burn melodrama. It is. I loved it. It stars. Um, oh, crap. I am brain farting on her name from uh, Ganja from Ganja and Hess. And she's excellent. And the rest of the cast is, is solid. This this is easily broken a spot in my top five black exploitation films. It is, it is wonderful. I mean, it's not as good as sugar Hill or ganja and Hess, but it's pretty fucking solid and it is well worth looking out for. It's on Tubi. And uh, that's it. Cause everything else I watched was just, just, it was just downhill from there. So I'm, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna like, you know, bore you with the details of my pain this week we watched the 2021 soft uh reboot legacy sequel Candyman. the 2010 sequel hatchet 2 the 20 uh i'm sorry the 2004 horror film murder set pieces and the 1974 supernatural horror messiah of evil Mm, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to start and I'm going to just take out all my rage and frustration for the week on murder set pieces. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is a film. I, I don't want to call it a film. It's not, it's not a video either. This is uh, about a guy that pretends to be a photographer and has a lot of money, but I don't know why. Because he can't be selling those photos because he kills everybody he takes a picture of. Who kind of wanders around and, and murders women in two totally unconnected in unconnected scenes. Uh, it's part of the uh, early 2000s push of extreme horror that isn't extreme. 
isn't horror and is just kind of fucking dull as shit. Now, all of us were on the IMDb horror board back when this came out. And we all remember director Nick Palumbo going crazy, trolling and pimping it. Uh, So I'm not going to keep that in mind while I discuss this film. Because uh, that was the least offensive thing. Now, apparently, apparently he got all racist and just totally shitty while trolling. I didn't see any of that. Folks told me about it this week. So I'm not going to talk about that because, again, I didn't see it. Fuck you if you did, Nick. I'm just going to talk about your movie. Your movie is a piece of shit. It's poorly made. Like, it's terribly shot. Nothing makes sense. There's no 99% of the violence is off screen. There's six gore gags and they're fucking terrible. This shit is stuff right out of the fucking uh, Savini book from the late eighties. It's just, it's mid desperate bullshit. Uh, The lead is atrocious. That dude has no, like he has no personality and he reeks of fucking creepy. So like nothing that happens with him makes sense. He stalks little girls. He is seen by multiple people. He gets away with murder in broad daylight because Nick Palumbo is living out his fucking stupid ass fantasies. But they're not even interesting. This dude isn't even like an actual serial killer. He is just a desperate wannabe who wishes he were because then he thinks he'd be interesting. But he's not. The character's terrible. The kills are terrible. The effects are just atrocious. It's, it's fucking boring as hell. I had to sit through the... Uh, 91, I think. No, 105 minute version. I have it written down. Uh, It sucks. This was just absolute shit. There's nothing. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. It doesn't have anything to say. It's not about the guy's psychiatry. It is just a dude who can't do effects and can't direct. Got a ton of money somehow. Probably scamming somebody and made a shitty movie that nobody should have fucking seen. But it came out at a time when there was a pretty big audience for extreme horror. So he suckered, uh, who was it that released it? Was it dimension? Uh, no, it was uh, Lionsgate Lionsgate. So he suckered Lionsgate into releasing it. And it is just, it is shit. It is rightfully forgotten. Uh, I'm a little annoyed at fucking Tyler for making me watch it this week. <laughs> it, it like nothing even fits together. None of this like flows. There's no story here. There's two scenes, like there's stuff that happens in his basement that isn't at all connected with the rest of the fucking movie. It's almost like he crushed two films together that just happen to have the same lead. Uh, he, he fucks a girl unconscious. This dude is like the most pathetic, desperate, living vicariously through character I have ever fucking seen. I just like I <laughs> I am just shocked. That anyone remembers this fucking movie. Uh, it does have Gunnar Hansen show up. I love Gunnar. Uh, Edwin Neal, who was also in the original Texas Chainsaw, shows up for like three seconds. And then he, he, even he's an ass. Like everybody in this is terrible <laughs> in reasons that don't make sense. If your little sister is telling you that the guy you used to date is stalking her and then her best friend is murdered, call the fucking cops. Don't go fuck him. I mean, this is my problem. This movie hates women so much. It's just, it's misogynist. It's racist because he our hero leads a fucking Nazi and he is the hero because again, like he's not, 
interesting enough to can be condemned. The film isn't interested in doing that. It it lives vicariously through him poorly, though. Like he's not interesting enough. He's just a bunch of desperate cliche played by a guy that cannot fucking act. Uh, Tony Todd pops up and Tony Todd and Gunnar Hansen give the two best performances in the whole film. Uh, also, in the same scene with Tony Todd is um, I I didn't write it down. I'm brain farting on his name from Toe Tag. Um, Fred Vogel. Fred Vogel as a robber. Uh, and that's a nice little cameo. But like everything that's interesting is is a cameo. While we're supposed to watch that, like think this guy's like the ultimate lover, even though like he'd be picked up by the cops in a fucking heartbeat. It's just it sucks. There's there's nothing worth watching in this. The kills aren't good. It's not extreme. It's not you know edgy. This is like child childish bullshit that the director obviously thinks he's being ooh oh I'm I'm fucking edgy. No, it's just shit. Uh, there's a reason why Nick Palumbo never made anything after this. Incompetence. Well, uh, I mean, <laughs> Dave's pretty much said it all, but yeah, um, yeah. So, sorry, T. This is awful. Like we we joke about, and we've always got different films vying for the uh, contender for worst films that we've watched. And Murder Set Pieces isn't isn't in there because we've watched other stuff that has been you know laquisha at least yeah we've watched laquisha who was a very meowy halloween we've watched uh what was what was the one that was uh set in the like old theater or something it was like watching oh. pink dry yeah oh fuck what was that yeah i know that it's i remember that haunting in Cawdor, Cow- yeah honey and Cawdor. Yeah. yeah uh you know so we've watched these and we're used to um knowing that we've We've been trying to see some of the worst as well. Murder Set Pieces is a different kind of awfulness. Um, and I think that, you know, Palumbo obviously thought that the time this was his masterpiece. Um, that's, that's the only thing I can think of for his absolute madness and spamming so much and shilling so hard for this because he wasn't getting enough uh, people suckered in otherwise. Um, he obviously thought the extreme nature of it was going to be a selling point. As Dave said, it's not extreme enough. Um, it's got effects work in there by uh, the Vogels as well. I think it's uh, Fred and his wife who do yeah. special effects together as well. Yeah, they, they, um, they do, and they do much better on their own stuff. I mean, let's, yeah. let's be honest. Did, did they do the August Underground movies or is it yeah. toe no, tag? From, yeah, they are toe tag. Yeah. But Fred yeah. is toe Like if you ever meet them out and about at a con, Fred is toe tag. And like, they're awesome people when I've dealt with them, but. I've heard them interviewed and yeah, they sound, they sound pretty like well adjusted and, oh. and nice, normal folk. Uh, and uh, Last time I met them, I had one of my fuck you Tyler Hosley signs and they loved it. <laughs> Not as much as uh, not as much as the guy that played Radu, which is why you got to watch fucking subspecies. I've watched I do. subspecies. Not you, Tyler. Oh, sorry. 
No, me. I haven't seen Subspecies yeah. yet. Um, you know, from the the opening quotes uh, to the to, to the shock factor nine eleven footage in there, it's all. I, I don't think I use this uh, phrase a lot. I hope I don't. But it all feels very try hard, and it, he just overdoes it without taking care of the basics. As Dave said, the uh, Gorgags aren't actually that great, considering that's really all the film has, because it doesn't have logic, doesn't have intelligence, doesn't have... I mean, if the lead character was a baddie with, you know, charisma oozing out of every pore, then he might have been able to try and make something more from it. Wouldn't have been American Psycho, but it could have been something... So he's got Gorgags and he's got uh, a few celebrity cameos that he's roped in. That That's it. The the lead is awful. Uh, Sven Garrett's performance is just awful. He's not helped by the script. I mean, some of the some of the lines in this, I didn't I didn't write them down because I would have then been tempted to write down almost every bit of preposterous dialogue that he utters just trying to sound like my grandpa like, killed the bad guys in world <laughs> war two while looking at a picture of him shaking hitler's hand just like oh yeah. jesus fucking christ you know and i don't mean this as a backhanded compliment i don't mean this as uh, as any kind of insult at all and tyler knows this like i'm more surprised at tyler picking this because he has more limited resources and like no budget and has come up with much better films, maybe not necessarily in this vein, but that will shock, that will wallow in grime a bit and have interesting dialogue peppered through him. Like that's our Tyler. He yep. he can do that. And I then mean, he picks murder set pieces and it's just a, like a, a big pile of shit. That like I, I just I'm shocked he, that you watch this and don't resent it more as well because you know what you've got in you and how you have presented material. As I say, not like this, but that might be of interest to people who like some of the more extreme fare. I mean, you're why and, I'm single, T. I make them all watch <laughs> steps. Love me, love my stair humping sociopath. <laughs> so I mean, far <laughs> they run screaming I mean I know I've uh, been with Vicky like three years now so she has got time to get you step but Vicky's at the stage now where she's like uh, Tyler's I'm like yes <laughs> some really dodgy reveal <laughs> but yeah it's you know it's awful and it's easy to be uh, angry and critical of this because he, you know, Palumbo has proven himself to be a pretty worthless piece of shit. Now, like Dave, I also, uh, I either didn't see some of his even worse behavior or I've forgotten it because we're talking, you know, about 20 years ago now. But um, I, I don't really have reason to doubt people who've said this i think they were 
Um, maybe, maybe some links that might still be out there. But uh, considering his behaviour was bad enough of the relatively normal posts I saw from him, uh, it's it's not a big step, and it's it's in line. It shows that this this is one of the films that. Uh, it's a shitty film and the lines are more blurred because it's a very shitty writer director making it. And that's, you know, it's not, it's not even interesting because you think of that guy, he considers this to be interesting and probably edgy and maybe a bit insightful. And you'd know if you were stuck near him at some party You'd just be trying to hang yourself with your shoelaces after five minutes, if that. Whereas, you know, if you stop beside the theatre party, then it doesn't matter where the party is, he's sneaking you off into the courtroom for seven minutes in heaven. <laughs> Was that you? Yeah, I've decided to stop there before I end our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> I could probably rant for longer, but I think between Dave and I, we've uh, pummeled your choice enough for this week. <laughs> <clears throat> well, first of all, uh, thank you for the compliments on my own little movies. I love you guys. Um, I have zero attachment to this movie. I hadn't seen or thought about this fucking movie since like 2005. Uh, I remember the good old days of the IMDb horror board back when Nick Palumbo was shilling this movie to death. I was there. I survived it. I have a t-shirt that says, I survived the IMDb Nick Palumbo shilling days. I don't really, but I would like to. Uh, Director antics aside, whether he's a piece of shit or not, I don't know the man. Uh, On a purely filmmaking standpoint, this movie is complete dog shit. It's an awful movie on almost every level. It's poorly edited, terribly acted, really fucking cheap. Every actor has got awful. I mean, the worst being that young sister character. Jesus Christ, she is so bad. Even Tony Todd, who's in this for like maybe two minutes tops, is atrocious. And that's the reason why I picked this movie. I, it was the first movie that came to mind on somebody wasting Tony Todd. So that's why we're watching this movie this week. I, I did like seeing Fred Vogel pop up as one of the robbers in the porn shop, though, because as Dave said, Fred Vogel is an awesome dude. I just I love him. He's awesome. The Lee is really bad, like really fucking bad. But I think within the tone of this movie, he kind of works. Speaking of which, the main reason why I like this movie, the tone, the tone of this movie really is the only saving grace for me personally. It's fairly mean spirited, which I appreciate. You know, I like my mean spirited shit. And whether you think it's nasty or not nasty enough for us, sure, I watch and we watch this kind of shit. All the time. And so we've seen worse. But take the like the average Joe Annabelle comes home audience that just watches theatrical horror. This might shock them. Maybe. Who knows? Um, I never watched it with anybody like that. So I don't know. Uh, but as a cheap, poorly made, try hard, shock for shock's sake kind of flick, I don't outright hate it. I don't hate it at all, actually. It's just a bunch of montages of murder, mostly off screen and assault stitched together and a german dude with like spiky hair and sideburns driving around the vegas strip with like random strippers and fake titties and one, models. One, one of them is scott Bayo's wife mrs scott yeah, Bayo is the first victim in this film i had no idea i had no idea about that uh, 
there's like model photo shoots in this that go on for way too fucking long too. I mean, they go on for like 10 minutes. It was like never ending. Those model shoots are fucking just never ending. Uh, And there's like some random cheap throbbing club music in three ways. And then end up in murder it's i'm not going to recommend this movie to anybody on earth but i don't think it's the worst thing ever i think i think we've watched worse on this show i think the movie that we watched that we covered for uh that the unearth group pick for us back in the day that movie brutal i thought that was worse than this to be honest with you i'd rather watch this than brutal but um is that the japanese one or yes in the apartment building with the bad cgi Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i would rather watch murder set pieces 100 times over than sit through that one again that was just boring uh but yeah, at least it says Fred Vogel and Gunnar Hansen and kind of Tony Todd there for two minutes in a porn shop. So I don't think it's the worst thing ever. Like I said, I don't think it's the worst thing we ever covered on the show. It's just kind of there. And I'll probably never watch it again after this. So that's that. Uh, is that me picking next? Yep. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to go with Kevin's pick. Uh, Hatchet Part 2, which is about Mary Beth, now played by the awesome Daniel Harris. Uh, she escapes the clutches of Victor Crowley and returns to the swamp with an army of hunters determined to end Crowley's reign of horror once and for all. Uh, I actually like Hatchet too quite a bit. I do think if you had a problem with the buildup of the first, though, you'll have an even bigger problem with this one because I'm pretty sure it takes longer to get to Victor Crowley and the kills here than it did in the original. Um, I'm not 100% on that. I didn't time it, but it kind of feels like it a bit. No, because there's the there's the first. No, yeah, that is later. No, yeah, they're all later. You're right. I, I thought so. I mean, I I actually really love the kills in this one. Bar the, I thought that John Carl Bushler kill looked really stupid with those intestines and the fucking decapitation. That that just looked really dumb. But overall, I really love the kills in this one. Uh, that death mid doggy style is great, and uh, that chainsaw death was fucking awesome. Just and. I guess it's kind of a spoiler, but the irreverent zombie death like Predator was just fucking badass. Um, Daniel Harris was a great addition. I mean, she's really good here. I love that they gave Tony Todd a big role. He's also really good here. If you didn't like the comedy in the first, it's pretty toned down here for the most part. It's still there, just not quite as prevalent. Um I don't think it's as good as the first. No, I, I personally like the characters a lot more in the first film. I just think the banter between the original cast was a lot better, but the cast here is fine for the most part. And the kills are pretty great. It just, it delivers everything a hatchet film should deliver. I, uh, I definitely dig hatchet part two quite a bit. You can stop the first movie at a certain spot and have Tamara Feldman go into the water and Daniel Harris come out. Has there ever been a better upgrade in film? No. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think so. I don't like this one either. Uh, I like it more than the first one in, in parts. Uh, I You know, Harris is a big upgrade. I think, um, you know, John Carl Butchler is fine. I, I think... Uh, uh, Tony Todd is is good with what he's given. Now he's not given shit to do, but uh, he's he's good. Um, Tom Holland, I think, is solid in his role. And those, uh, even I think the the makeup for Victor Crowley is better. Uh, and that's it. That's all the good things I have to say. 
Everything else, I am not. A, I'm not a fan of. I'm not a fan of the rest of the cast. Sucks. The sex kill, which were we had three sex kills in this this week. Uh, like we kept having these three things happen in every film, but Craig's pick. It's like Craig was going out of his way to just fuck us this week. Didn't even show up, you bastard. Anyway, uh, like the best part is the callback to Frozen. Which is like, you know, three seconds in the first five minutes. But like they, they double down on Victor Crowley always being evil instead of, you know, a pathetic figure before death. I didn't like that. I, I hate most of the cast. I don't know what Tyler's talking about them cutting back on the comedy. Every fucking line that is not said by Danielle Harris, Tom Holland or Tony Todd is a joke and it's not even a fucking good joke. Uh, it has an, an actor who's again, another name. I just cannot remember. He was in parks and rec and a bunch of other stuff. He can be kind of funny, but like he doesn't shut up in this. He just spews every joke that uh, green could think of at the moment. Milk for the cookies is not fucking funny. Uh, it's just like, it's not, it's, it's not good. The Chips Ahoy, like that, they they tried to stretch that out. Uh, the Lloyd Kaufman cameo is okay, but like that's that's like that's it. I like three of the cast members. I like the Lloyd Kaufman cameo. The kills are almost all recycled from the first movie. Uh, those that aren't like the chainsaw are just fucking dumb. I mean, it's just fucking dumb. I I hated the couple. I hated the couple. I hated everybody in this. I, I I, was so bored waiting for them to die. I mean, like, at least the first one, I enjoyed uh, Mercedes McNabb and um, Richard Real. I, I didn't even get that in this one. This, Yeah, I. this is the inferior so far. It's a lesser. And I didn't even like the first one. So, yay. Two more. I can I can do this. I can get through two more, right? Yeah, I can do that. If you had to, I mean, who knows what will be picked for the like rest the of only, the month, Dave. The only good fucking joke was the reference to Leslie fucking Vernon. And how come that didn't get a fucking sequel and this had fucking... Th- anyway. Um, I think overall... I rate this on a par with the first film. And, you know, Tyler's right. Most of the, the good kills come, you know, and the, the final third is pretty backloaded, apart from the John Carl uh, Buchler uh, sequence, which is um, that that main first uh, showstopper is a bit too silly. And... Um, yeah, a bit clumsy. But there, there's a lot in here that I like. Daniel Harris is definitely better for taking a lead. Um, yeah, taking over kind of the lead duties. But like, am I the only horror fan who always thinks, I mean, she's not great. She's no, she's she's not she's, great. She's cute. She's nice. She's likable. Yeah. yeah, she's cute. Uh, but you know, she's not the 
the best actress we've had in the horror genre. And she's been, you know, plugging away in movie roles for years and years. I definitely, you know, I rate her as a, in quote, scream queen more than the people who pop up and maybe man a stall at some convention and then try and promote themselves as a scream queen for a decade after that. Uh, you know, Harris, she, Harris has earned her position. All she had to do was be better than Tamara Fielding. True, and she does. She was, that. yeah. She she does yeah. that, yeah. Um, I I like the fact that uh, Tony Todd does get a lot more screen time here. He's uh, he's generally fun. When you said about the the Frozen reference, Dave, I always get mixed up with that because when she's on the TV talking about a lawsuit, I thought it was a reference to the first film where Tony no. Todd's saying, it damn sued my ass. No, no, she's the survivor yeah. of Frozen. Yeah, she's suing yeah. the, uh, the uh, crap, the it's lodge. Like the, lodge. The ski That's resort. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, like, I like the little bits. I like seeing the jack chop in the shop, uh, just around the counter. You know, nothing's too, too subtle here. All the gags are pretty obvious, but I like a lot of them. Uh, Todd's fun. Parry Shen is is fun again in a different role that's pretty much the same. Uh, yeah, I thought Tom Holland was good in his uh, main supporting role, and the rest of the cast they're all all right. You know why they're there, and they are there to be dispatched by Victor Crowley. In well, a variety they, they of ways. Up, they fuck up the big reveal. Sorry. It's just I just remembered it. I didn't even make a note about it. Spoiler. Jump ahead thirty seconds. They fuck up the big reveal. That he's not her fucking uncle. Not her real uncle. They say it the first time you see her. Him. So I mean that ruins the whole thing. I I can't remember that, but I didn't you know, I didn't think that was going to work anyway. I do like the, um, you know, more of the backstory coming out and it being in line very much with, you know, slasher movie, prank goes awry, and that's, you know, put them on a path to destruction and death for years to come. Uh, so I like that. Hodder is, you know, the <laughs> I, I like Kane Hodder, and... You know, he's taken on many iconic roles over the years and is uh, very busy at conventions and fans love him. I just don't think he should be asked to do too many scenes where he's playing a normal person and then has to cry a little bit. I don't know. His, his death scene in 13 Fans was, I mean, it wasn't a good movie, but that was the best scene. And all he did was cry. It it just doesn't doesn't feel right to me. Doesn't doesn't seem right. It's definitely not playing to his strengths. But you know he's okay. I just I think if you have order, then you you know keep him in the moments that require stalking and slashing more than emoting and uh, and showing family drama that's all i had forgotten how bad the script for this is when it comes to just all the casual uh well i, I think it's pretty misogynistic at times 
Um, they, they just keep going on about wanting a piece of some slut. Like that seems to be every few lines. It did, it did give murder set pieces a run for its money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty bad. I, I think this is worse than the first film in that regard, maybe because there was a bigger mix of characters and, you know, one or two women there. And I remember, you know, defending green slightly, uh, last week as the, you know, a, doing a bit of a better job than Eli Roth in the way that it's like he has more of a his focus is more on the fanboy enthusiasm and it's, it's almost like he heard you and sent yeah. it back through time so they would yeah. just do that whole 15 minute exploitation cameo callback I fucking hated like, that oh, scene is, well was that the uh, video the, camera the thing? video camera stuff yes yeah Oh my god! I don't know. I mean, that's it's padding. It's it's you know gratuitous. Um, it's it's not great. But I I just thought the the dialogue kept sort of really. It was clanging whenever they would just burst out with stuff. I was like, oh my god! And uh, as I said to you guys on Messenger, Vicky was like, oh, I want to watch up for you. Betty Gore, if you're watching, you know these films, so watch that. And she's like, "Yeah, if you're watching the rest. You can watch them on your own." I was like, "Okay then." So there wasn't enough good stuff here to to keep her happy, aside from uh, a couple of the kills. It's it's alright. I think, as I say, the good and bad sort of uh, end up putting it on a par with the first for me. Uh, so that is that is that. Plenty more hatchet goodness to come at some point in our lives, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? So let's get positive and let's go with Dave's choice. Candyman 2021. The sequel reboot thing uh, from director Nia DaCosta who also co-wrote the screenplay with John Peel and Wynne Rosenfeld uh, so people can remember it's from director Nia DaCosta just to, to get that and I liked Candyman when I saw it. All of the films for this week are films that I was watching for the second time. The films I've seen but films I've not watched repeatedly and um, there were a couple of them that I was looking forward to revisiting Candyman being one of them and I'm glad you brought it to us Dave because I gave this an 8 out of 10 when I first watched it I really liked it and now I give it a 9 out of 10 and I really really liked it it's I mean it's just fucking brilliant to to think that you're coming along with another horror film that just uses the same title as the original and is going to be put out there to a pretty you know loyal and uh, devoted fan base and come out with something this good that mixes the same level 
well, arguably uh, more so actually, of uh, of commentary, social commentary, uh, some really good stuff with, you know, there's a more modern lens for things, but it's it's right here and now, and it's still just casting back through decades. Uh, it's about generational trauma. It's about obviously gentrification. It's about uh, race and uh, attitudes to to race. It's and it's about a load of bees and a man with a, a big hook hand. Um, finding a boogeyman to blame, creating a boogeyman to keep people safe or to shepherd people to a certain area. It's got all that mixed through it and it's just got some really decent uh, bits of gore and imaginative death scenes. It's, it's just great. Like from the start with the, the mirrored um, company logos and then the original Candyman, you were going over the city looking down. This one, you're kind of looking up towards all the buildings. There's there's so much here that is respectful of the material that horror fans know and yet um, either twists things around or plays around with it in terms of the gorgeous visuals and the script. And I know it doesn't have to be incredibly uh, difficult to have a script that uses words such as swarm and buzz and other things that feed into that um, whole mythos of the Candyman. But this one just has everything bubbling along in just the right mix and at just the right temperature. Yaya Abdul-Mateen II plays uh, Anthony McCoy, the central figure, an artist who ends up hearing about the Candyman legend. Well, he actually hears the story of Helen Lyle first, who was played by Virginia Madsen in the original film, and he takes his inspiration from that and is creating art from that, and that art is uh, is kind of a key. The idea of uh, saying his name uh, and Candyman is still something you shouldn't say five times in a mirror because uh, bloodshed and death will ensue. But Abdul-Mateen II is brilliant. I mean, he's he's really good. Uh, Tiana Paris plays his partner and um, oh, is she a curator? She's not an agent, is she? She's a curator who helps no, him. Yeah, she's a gallery so, director. Yeah, and, and has him involved in an exhibition as well. Uh, Brianna, uh, she's, she's really good. Uh, so they're... There's nobody here that's bad, but for two leads, uh, they are fantastic. They're great together. They're great on their own. This doesn't put too many steps wrong. The one thing it does do slightly wrong, and I, I can see why it did that. I think it's a, I think it's a punctuation mark. I think it's a placeholder uh, before you're getting into third act. There's a scene with some schoolgirls. It's good, it's enjoyable, but it feels a bit more out of place than anything else in the film. Uh, it it just feels like it's there to add an extra scene of, of bloody mayhem. 
which it does well. But I think for me, that's the only bit that just that just rings slightly false. Everything else is so uh, beautifully woven together, and like this might even just go up to to a ten out of ten for me at some point. I might watch this one day. That sequence that I'm moaning about now might not bother me at all. I'll just be like, yes, this is absolutely on a par with the original, and everyone should just come around to that way of thinking. That's me. Yeah, I'm right there with Kevin. This movie is fucking great. I love how the script takes the themes of racial violence and gentrification from the original and just builds upon it here. It continues the mythology really well. It's beautifully shot and super stylish. It has this thick, haunting atmosphere. The score is amazing. I didn't think anything could ever match that original Philip Glass score, but this came really fucking close. It's not quite as good, but it's really fucking close. Uh, the cast is really good. Uh, Abdul Mateen II is such a great lead. He just totally rocks it. Everything I've seen him in so far, he's been great. Uh, I love that art gallery murder sequence. That might be one of the best scenes of this entire series. I love the ending. That police car scene is amazing. Um, Nia DaCosta is truly, truly a fucking talent. And I hate that people still call this a Jordan Peele film because it's not you fucking swines. It's a Nia DaCosta. Film. She's amazing. And, uh, give her credit for the movie that she created because this movie is wonderful. Uh, the, the puppet opening credits and the ending credits, not opening credits, the ending credits was amazing. Just a great sequence of end credits. Uh, yeah, I forgot about I forgot about the shadow puppets. They're always amazing. Everything yeah. you see them is just it's gorgeous. So good. So, so good. So well done. Uh, yeah, this movie's great. I just, I'm going to echo everything Kevin said. It's a great movie and one of the best legacy sequels out there. So, yeah, good stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm just going to join in on the gushing, but I don't want to up. I'd say it's probably the best legacy sequel. And I know a lot of folks just rolled their eyes at that, except uh, here's, here's the thing a lot of legacy sequels just dump on top of the first one and this one takes it a step further both deconstructs what we knew before and adds to it at the same time so it's never taking away it's never going no it's never going hey forget that thing you learned in another movie it's like well yeah but and now we build up it's not going oh aren't they siblings no they weren't siblings ha 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 that was a rumor no that's fucking dumb because like in everybody that's watching they're siblings in their head you can't change that now 40 years later anyway that's just you know deconstruction because they didn't add anything to it this adds without ever taking away and it changes your view of the first movie the first movie is better now after seeing this uh, the, like you guys said, the cast is great. I enjoy all the kill scenes. I think the bathroom scene is fantastic. Uh, I have, I have two little issues with it. Um, I wish we saw some of the other candy men a bit more because they keep going to, uh, Michael Hargrove's Sherman fields, but there's like, how many stories do we hear? I think there's four others we learn about. I would like to see them start like, you know, switching off 
instead of just the, at the car at the end. And I wish there was a bit more than just one guy plotting to resurrect Candyman in the last act. But uh, Coleman Domingo is, is excellent. He's always excellent. Dude is a, a hell of a talent. Uh, even in stuff I, I was kind of mad on, like uh, 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 what Zola, the Tyler made us watch. <clears throat> he's, he's excellent in that. He's excellent in this. Uh, Aya Abdul-Martin II is great. Um, returning cast member Vanessa Williams looks like every time I see this movie and she opens the door and he calls her mom, I go, there's no fucking, but no, she's like 58, 60, but she doesn't look it. Woman hasn't aged a day since 1987, 88, whenever the first one was. I think it was 92. Is it 92? Okay. So hasn't aged a day since 92. Uh, the shadow puppets are amazing. It's incredibly well written and directed. Uh, I said it before it came out that Dacosta was, uh, yeah, Dacosta was a talent to really watch. Little Woods was excellent. Uh, Killa says she doesn't want to, but she has absolutely no choice. She's she's gonna go see uh, the Marvels because that's Dacosta's next film. And yeah, I think it's excellent. I think it's the best legacy sequel by a huge margin. Uh, I hope they make another one that sticks with it. Uh, I, I, I mean, I think I remember this did quite well, didn't it? Okay. But it was the middle of the pandemic was still going. It made like 77 rule of three. So it, it did make a profit, but you know, I don't know how well it did on rentals afterwards. So, it did okay, but it didn't do like huge, but it was the middle of COVID. You know, I think this was the first movie I'd gone to see in like a year and a half at that point when it came out. So I don't know. It's, it is excellent. And the, the lead is great. The effects are pretty solid overall. It is, it's a, it's a winner that really shows how well legacy sequels can work. Uh, there's a lot of people that knee jerk against it and, and they should really give it a, a better chance. All right. I guess I will finish up with Craig's pick Messiah of evil. Also uh, sometimes shown under the title dead people. It's a 1974 supernatural horror film uh, co-directed by Willie. Willard Huck and Gloria Katz, who um, they created screenplays for American Graffiti and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, but are are best known for uh, directing Howard the Duck. So that's where we're starting with this one. Howard the Duck. Okay. Uh, Arletti goes in search of her artist father to Point Dune, California. Uh, tragically, dad isn't there, but she finds his diary addressed specifically to her. And before long, she learns some unsettling things about what happened to her father and meets up with Portuguese layabout Tom and his 
two female companions, Tony and Laura. Uh, soon they find that the town is that weird early 70s zombie vampire hybrid. Like, you can tell this was a script that was sitting around when Night of the Living Dead came out, and they just tinkered it a little, but didn't make them full zombies. They're, uh, I'm trying to remember what other zombie, like uh, Count Yorga and Lamora and uh, what else? A Death Dream all do this kind of vampire. There's something else. There's something. Uh, oh, let's scare Jessica to death. That's probably the big one with this type of vampire. Um, Messiah of Evil is okay. Some people really love it. I, I, I don't love it. I think it has some excellent bits. Uh, I think uh, Royal Dano's voiceover is pretty solid. Elijah Cook's little bit is, is good. Uh, I like Joy Bang as Tony and and Anitra Ford as Laura. Uh, Ford would go on after this to be a one of the models on The Price is Right. And Joy Bang had uh, a strong career in the early 70s, but was only in like five films and then did nothing. I think after this, I don't think she did anything. Maybe like one or two TV episodes. Um. <clears throat> When it's doing the actual horror bits, like the theater scene or the grocery store, I think it's pretty solid. Uh, tragically, I, I think it ends kind of dull. I just, I don't jive with Tom and Arletty. <laughs> so having to spend so much time with them, I, like I don't care if they live or die. Because it's, you know, a 1974 film, so you know exactly how it's going to play out long before it gets there. So it's got okay bits, but I think overall it doesn't come together to me. I didn't dislike it, but it's not, you know, it's not going to be a favorite. I, I wouldn't like recommend it to anybody except if they were like really big into this period. It's just, it's okay-ish with a couple solid scenes. The gas station is a good scene. The theater and the grocery store and the rest is just kind of it's there it's okay oh but walter hill is a stabbing victim uh, in the beginning so you, that's he it. was that was him. that was walter yeah, hill that was walter hill i had no idea yeah that's how this um, tied in the others this one had a, a director murdered just like uh, Hatchet 2 and, um, oh crap, uh, Murder Set Pieces. Hmm. So, sex, death, scenes, and director's murder. That's our theme this week. More that, than Tony Todd. Yeah, more than Tony, Tony Todd, Todd. yeah, because Tony Todd's not in this one. Tony Todd was not in this fucking movie. Um, I actually have very little to say about this one. I thought this was boring as fuck. Uh, yeah, it's moody, and it's kind of atmospheric. And it's, I guess it's shot pretty well. It's also dull as shit and it's a total slog to get through. Uh, it has some truly terrible pacing issues. The characters are all empty and flat. Uh, I like small town horror and cult like movies, especially ones that take place on like small coastal towns. 
that is always like a great setting for horror. And for the most part, it uses it okay-ish. Uh, what the movie was lacking, though, was some fucking energy. And because there was none at all, just nothing, nothing here at all. I mean, for such a Lovecraftian like structure, nothing kept me invested outside of a couple little oddball scenes in the final act. It goes nowhere. It does nothing. It's slow and meandering. Just, yeah, I was not a fan of this one at all, guys. It's just a lifeless, big old pile of meh with a couple okay moments sprinkled throughout. I, yeah, I was, I was really not a fan of this movie, guys, at all. I, I like it, but um, I'm, I'm more in line with Dave, I think. Um, and that I don't love it. Like a lot of horror fans love this. Um, certainly a lot of horror fans that have been digging around over the years and, uh, you know, maybe discovered this before it was as easily discoverable. I say easily discoverable. I, I think it's been sort of a lot easier to get hold of in the last decade or so. In the UK, there's just been or is just about to be a nice uh, disc release of this from a newish company called Radiance Films. So I think that will be selling quite well for them. And it is kind of known for the the two main scenes that they've mentioned. And they're they're great moments, especially the cinema moments. Very much, um, you know, it's it's Tippy Hedren sitting in front of the frame with the birds milling behind her in the birds. That's really what that is, with a, a blank people appearing in seats. <laughs> It's it's a mood piece. That's that's what it is. It's atmospheric, and I think it does well with that. But yeah, it doesn't doesn't do enough. I'm never that bothered about what could happen to the leads. Um, I'm never that bothered about what could happen to anyone on screen. So. Yeah, it's it's just it's not one I can ever feel invested in. Though I I do like Royal Dano and uh, that's that's nice. Uh, Elijah Cook Jr. has a small role. That's nice. I didn't notice uh, Walter Hill myself. Didn't know he was a stabbing victim. So that's a, a good little extra. <laughs> I, I don't know, it's it's well done for what seems to be a very kind of small, low-key movie. But it's just also like it's quite forgettable apart from those two key scenes. You know, and it feels as if well, it does it's not that it feels as if nothing much else really does happen. This is an hour and a half of basically a woman wandering about a town and seeing different people and uh, being on this quest to find out uh, a bit more about what's happened to her father. I mean, that's, that's it. I'm not exaggerating that to make it sound like, uh, you know, 
nothing's happening throughout the film for comedic effect. That is basically the film uh, with a, a few key encounters here and there. So I wouldn't say it's bad. I just, um, you know, I, I think its reputation has been boosted and buoyed by people over the years who, you know, found and embraced it when it was much more of a of a cult uh, rarity before you could find it in numerous places. But yeah, it's it's good. I'm sure Craig enjoyed it. I'm pleased that he didn't pick a complete stinker and then avoid us for the week. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying that would be his MO, but it's also... Not an impossibility. Yeah, it's happened. <laughs> it's happened a few times. I mean, you remember, like, this one used to always be mentioned by folk when people were asking for underrated and underseen horror movies. Yeah. This, this is yeah. one of the main titles. I mean, I think that's why I eventually saw a probably for the first time about a decade ago. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's decent enough. I, I do think if people haven't seen it and they're after something a bit different for the spooky season, then, you know, they can find it. should give it a watch for, for a mood piece. Pretty good. All right, guys. It's that time. Candyman. Yeah. Like no contest at all. Candyman. Yeah. It's, (laughs) It's Candyman. There's just there's no argument. Sorry, it's just no. I'm not. Go watch Candyman. It's it's good. But next week, it's in more October. We're marching through. Uh, I'm going to give you guys something a little different though. I'm going to make you watch Reefer Madness, the movie musical. Nice. Does that have a? Well, never mind. I, I'm trying to spoil the theme yet, but is that is that themed with what yeah, we were picking? Yeah, no, it does. Okay. It does. Okay, I'm just making sure. Um, because I'm playing a little bit loose with the theme here, but at the same oh, time, not gosh. really. Not really. Um, my pick for next week has a bag-headed killer, and I think Friday the Thirteenth Part Two was inspired by the original Town That Dreaded Sundown. So I'm going with the 2014 version of the Town That Dreaded Sundown. God damn it, Tyler. <sighs> you know, that means I'll end up having to watch the original as well at some point. The, the, original, has, uh, the original has Marianne from Gilligan's Island. It Yay. does. I w- Kevin, I would watch the original before this one, though, because, I mean, you, you don't have to because they're not, I mean, they're connected in a way that it's not like yeah. a sequel, but I still would watch the original before this one just because it's, it's a good the, movie. I know the gist is kind of a, a sort of meta layer to it, isn't it? Yeah, the the movie exists. It's it's a movie within a movie type movie, like Scream. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, well, I'm surprisingly going for 2013's Hatchet Three. Ooh. All right. Can you guess what the theme is, Kevin? Um, I'm going to take a guess at. 
all of the films feature someone from Gremlins because that Galligans and Hatchet Three. Sorry, Jasons. There's there's three Jasons in Hatchet Three. There's one in my movie. Jasons. Oh yeah. I I don't know who's in your movie. Yeah, I know you don't. I know, but you know, the bag-headed killer should have been your tip-off. As a hint. As punishment, you gotta give him the business. Oh, well, um, like... Rate, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we have a YouTube channel where I try and put a video every week. And by the time you hear this, there will be a day or two left. If you're in the UK, to comment and get yourself in a competition where you can win volume five of the Hammer movies from Indicator, all the Chucky movies that I have, and a few other things from in there. Uh, Instagram, we are Raiders underscore of underscore the underscore podcast. You can email us at Raiders of podcast at gmail.com where we will take on board any suggestions. And if you have recommendations for films that we can use to hurt one another, we will do that because we watched murder set pieces this week and we survived. And that just shows how strong we are like against cockroaches. anything. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it. We're all dotted about various social medias and we're quite easy to get a hold of. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me, guys. I'll talk to you next week. See ya. See ya. The scene was grooving, all were digging the sounds. The Uyghur unchained back by his baying hounds. The coffin bangers were about to arrive with their local group. The Grip Kicker Five Mash. They played the Monster Mash. Mash. It was my graveyard smash. They got on in a flash. They played the Monster Mash.